Welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at Harbour City DBN on social media. We are currently going through the book of Galatians and we hope you enjoy this message. So we're in Galatians 5 and we're flying through Galatians at the moment. Um, we tried to do the whole of Galatians 4 last week, and I'm going to try and do the whole of Galatians 5. The family lineage, we have been adopted by God the Father. We are sons and daughters of God Most High. Um, and, uh, and we come, uh, as, as uh, Paul says, you know, we, we are uh, of Sarah, not of Hagar. We are sons of and daughters of the free promise, uh, and not of the law. The, what in part is happening in Galatians 4 is Paul is trying to shape our identity. We live from our identities. We move from our identities. We, we in one sense, become who we believe we are, in one sense. And, and so what Paul is doing is reshaping how we think about who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the God Most High, and we operate from that place. Our discipleship moves from identity to becoming who God is creating us to be. But the first thing that God does with us is change who we think we are. And then we get to this passage where we'll talk a bit about freedom. Most uh, commentators say that the big idea in Galatians is freedom, uh, and freedom is a big idea. I mean, if you, if you read Galatians 5 verse 1, uh, it's like, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, it is for, fr- I mean, how's that for a verse? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's like, cool, what does that mean? Like, um, but freedom is a big idea. Christ wants us to be free. I'm not sure what you think about freedom, uh, what, what your thoughts are, but uh, I have this painful habit, and it's not great, of doing this to my wife. And my wife says to me, what are, what are you doing tomorrow? And I, I say this every time. It's really bad because my kids have started saying it. And I, and I say, I'm doing whatever I want to do. Um, this is like, that's not helpful. Like, and now my daughter's like, hey, Simba, what are you doing? Whatever I want to do. I'm like, oh, no. Where did you get that from? Me. Um, but, I mean, what, what is freedom? What's, uh, how do you perceive freedom? In one sense, uh, uh, maybe it's just my anti-authoritarian kind of like nature, is what, what is freedom to me? To do whatever I want, you know? Lisa, what am I doing? Whatever I want to do. Um, that's what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. Um, that's my kind of idea of freedom. I, I'm actually quite a law-abiding person until someone tells me I have to do something. And then I'm like, oh dear, now you've like provoked the inner demon in me. And now once I've been told that I have to do that, I'm like, oh, now I'm going to break it. I just have to. Like something inside of me is like rebelling against uh, I, want to be free. Probably you have, in some sense, uh, a desire for freedom in one way or another. And we'll kind of look at 
what that means. Um, but sometimes we view freedom, like this one picture that will come up now, is this blissful carefreeness. Like, if, if you think about freedom, what is freedom to you? Being on the beach with no worries, or maybe on a mountain, or walking, or traveling, or, you know, just doing whatever, you know, just blissful, carefree living. Maybe that's your idea of freedom. Some people will probably would hate that idea, um, want a little bit more meaning and purpose, but others may just think, what I want to do is, and I've talked about this before, so where I don't have to worry about traffic, and I don't have to worry about noise, and I don't have to worry about this and that, and just like blissful, carefree living. Um, maybe for some of us, we think about freedom in like a political sense. Uh, so I've got a, you know, classic brave heart imagery. Um, um, William Wallace crying out freedom uh, as they fight against, uh, for Scotland to be free against British rule. Or classic Nelson Mandela walking out in 1991, uh, being free from Robben Island, being released in the beginning and the journeys of South Africa's walk into a free democratic society. Sometimes our view of freedom is political. The Cambridge Dictionary says that freedom is the condition or right of being able or allowed to do, say, think, etc., whatever you want to, without being controlled or limited. So that's obviously my view of freedom, Lisa, is uh, I'm going to do whatever I want. But maybe for you, freedom is the freedom from the thoughts that go on at night while you're trying to lie in bed. The anxiety, the, the, the thoughts that just seem to come and invade your space over and over again. Maybe for you, freedom is uh, the, to be free from debt or some kind of financial hang-up that you're in that just keeps on um, have enough money to just be able to do what you want to do or to have enough money so that every day won't be the constant anxiety that your bank balance is just not there. Maybe for you, freedom would be freedom from a particular addiction that you have that is just causing um, havoc in your own life. Freedom from the tyranny of a particular boss that is just really difficult, that every day you face and you just wish you could get away from it. Um, I'm not sure exactly what every person would be thinking about when they think of freedom. But probably in every one of us, we have some kind of idea of something in our lives that we want to be free from. Now the thing is, Christ wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, God wants us to be free, but what is the freedom that Christ is calling us into or offering us or wanting us uh, to live in? Freedom by, if that's okay. So we're going to look what we are free from, 
basically why we are free and how we stay free. Um, so, freedom from. What are we free from? Well, uh, essentially what Galatians talks about is that we're free from the law, the tyranny of the law. We're free from the tyranny of our own consciences uh, at times. Christ has set us free from the hold of the law on our lives and on our consciences. Uh, what does Paul go into? I mean, I was feeling a little bit awkward there, but like he's going into circumcision. That's the thing that he goes on over and over again. What is he doing at that point? Is he's reminding them over and over, as he does in Galatians 1, as he does in Galatians 2, as he does in Galatians 3, as he does in Galatians 4, and as he does now, reminding them that Christ has set them free from the hold of the law on their lives. That they have been set free, not because they have come into the obedience of the Jewish law and the Jewish way of doing things, but because they have come into Christ. Christ has saved them. Christ has set them free, not because they are obedient, not because they are good, but because Christ and his goodness on the cross has set them free. And he's reminding them, you are saved, you are redeemed, you are, are brought into the family of God, you are called sons and daughters, not because you are circumcised or uncircumcised, not because you are obedient to the law or not obedient to the law, not because you have done certain things, observed Sabbath days, done a whole bunch of things. You are free not because of any of that, because Christ has saved you. He's brought you in. He's welcomed you. Paul, in the beginning of Galatians 5, is reminding them they have been set free from the law. Don't submit yourselves again. Don't get circumcised, he's telling them. Um, I'm not sure this is the problem that we have today, but we probably have our own problems that we need to be set free from. Maybe our consciences need to be set free from the feeling of guilt that we have if we don't come to church on a Sunday. Maybe you've got that and you feel like, I am only a good enough Christian if I attend, you know, it would be great for you to be here. Um, And obviously, I believe that being part of the family is a good thing, but... We are free from the need to conform to a certain set of requirements to believe that we are right with God. We're free from the tyranny of the law. If you could only give a certain amount and you felt, and you're living with the guilt of that. Uh, Maybe it could be a number of different things that you feel like you need to live up to, to be accepted by God, to be good with God. We are free from the tyranny of the law. Now, this becomes really important for for a number of reasons. It's important, one, because we need to know that we are saved only by the gracious hand of Christ. You and I are saved only by the gracious hand of Christ. We're saved because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We're not saved because we are good. We're not saved because of anything that we do. Um, 
we are saved because of what he has done. That's why this is really, really important. Freedom from the tyranny of our consciences is what we need to be able to do the second thing, which is we are not, we are free from the law, the tyranny of the law, the shame. And this is really important because we are, will never be truly free to, to love if free from. You know, guilt and shame is probably one of the biggest hindrances to people being able to genuinely love. Um, Jesus says, says that, um, you know, what's the greatest command? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The reason why we struggle to love our neighbor is because of the hatred of self that we have. Well, to love our neighbor, in one sense, requires us to be okay with ourselves. And sometimes our reflection onto pe- people is just a f- reflection of our self-hatred. So when you go into the shopping center and you see someone walk in and they start raging at the teller, you often know that the problem is not with the teller, the problem is with them. They are just reflecting their own self-hatred onto someone that is giving a slight little bit of inconvenience. Um, But, and often that is because of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Guilt is the feeling we have when we do wrong. Shame is the feeling, shame is, is not, guilt is this, I've done wrong. Shame is, I am wrong. Uh, guilt is, is, oh my, I keep on doing stuff wrong. Shame is, I am a mistake. Some of us struggle with guilt all the time, that we always feel like we're doing stuff wrong. Some of us struggle with shame, which is the feeling that you are a mistake, that there's something wrong with you, not just with your actions, with who you are. What the freedom we are being called to in Christ is a freedom from guilt and shame. It's a freedom from the guilt of the law. It's a freedom from the shame of feeling like we are a mistake. We are wanted. We are adopted into the household of God. As Galatians 5 tells us, we don't live under the guilt of circumcision, the law, the tyranny of that. But Paul is calling us freedom to love. Um, In our kind of modern definition of freedom, the one that I use, which is, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want. That, that is a, such an individualistic idea of freedom. It's, it's a kind of idea of freedom that as long as no one is going to put any demand, restraint, restriction on me, then I am free. But Paul is actually calling us to a restrained freedom to love. Uh, Anyone who has got married, and there's a few of us here who who have been married, when you get married, what are you doing? You're putting a restraint on yourself in one sense. You're saying, I'm going to love one person. 
I'm going to love Lisa, my wife, and I'm going to love her only. I'm restraining myself for there is a restraint that comes. Jesus is calling us to a restrained freedom. It is it's a freedom for a purpose. And that purpose is to love. One of the verses that um, I really love in Galatians 5, I find it really profound, that Paul says this, he says, to love your neighbor is to fulfill the whole law. Um, to love your neighbor is to fulfill the whole law. Um, you know, basically, hey, if you want to just do the right thing, just love your neighbor. Um, you, you want to know what the right thing is to do, well, go and love your neighbor is, is kind of what Paul is saying here, is, is love is the reason why Christ has set us free. Set us free so that we can do the very thing that God is calling us to, to love God and neighbor. We are set free to, if it's uh, now a noise from above, us to be the kind of people who live in a freedom that is restrained, restrained towards other people. Love is the selfless, it is the giving of oneself for the benefit of someone else. Love is the giving of oneself. It is the, uh, what does uh, John say? The, you know, anyone in this, then he who lays down his life for his friends. Love is the laying down of oneself. It is the giving up of oneself, giving up of one's own desires or wishes or for the benefit of someone else. Uh, to love one's neighbor sometimes would mean to give up the desires, the wants, the wishes of oneself at that point for the benefit of someone else. God is calling us to a freedom that is not a freedom of self-indulgence, it's, it's Paul says in Galatians 5. It's not a freedom of self-indulgence. It's a freedom of restraint towards someone. It's not a freedom of just doing whatever we want. Um, essentially, the life of just doing whatever we want becomes another slave. It becomes another slave master. We become a slave to our own sinfulness. We become a slave to the very thing that we will bring us freedom. But we are being called not to be free from the tyranny of the law or of our conscience, but being free to love of true discipleship. What does John say in his gospel? He says, quoting Jesus, he says, this is how they will know who my disciples are, by the love that they have for one another. Discipleship is that we have taken on the restraint that Jesus took on. Jesus himself being as free, as loved, as perfect, as any person could ever be. He was 
God himself could do whatever he wished. But he moved into our space, restrained himself, world. John 3 verse 16 says that whoever should believe the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love to love freedom as a means of self-indulgence, but use it to love your neighbor. We are free by living in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul says we should do. We should walk in step with the Spirit, and then we won't live a life of self-indulgence. We should walk in step with the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, uh, as the NIV says, one translation says, we live in step with the Spirit, um, which is a bit like and over again, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit? And probably one of the best analogies I can think of this is, um, Neil would be able to explain this a little bit better, but often in music, the drummer is setting the beat for the, for the band, the beats per minute or whatever they should go and sometimes they have like a click track in their ears it's like a metronome that goes ding ding and then they know how to and then everyone follows the beats of drummer and then uh, as classic happens in amateur worship bands uh, you know when we had a when I was part of Red Point and there was a big band and there would be a drummer and a whole bunch of instruments every now and then you would see that the drummer was either not good at keeping time or wasn't listening to the click track or whatever because we would start like a fast song and it would be really fast and he started fast. And by the end of it, you're like, what happened? Is this like a worship song? How did it get so slow? The drummer had obviously slowed down and everyone slowed down. Like the whole song just went new. Or it's a slow song and the drummer's obviously feeling really energetic that time and he's just going. And everyone's like, okay, it's a fast song now, you know? Um, but what are they doing? They're keeping in time, they're keeping in step with the person who is in the beat. Um, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit in some way? It's, in one sense, it's the same. It's to be in step, in beat, in time with Spirit. Um, Andrew Wilson tells us, analogy of him being in, in the army. And uh, when he was in the army, he said he would teach people how to march. I mean, how's that for a job? Like, what's your job? I teach people how to march. Left, right, left, right. Not, a, not an interesting job at all. But he would teach people how to march. And he said one of the things that you learn when you learn how to march is that one person keeps the rhythm of the whole thing. And they normally stand on the front right and everyone watches that person. So you know how your timing by their timing. And when they turn, you know you follow them. Everyone follows in step with the one person that's keeping, keeping timing of the whole regiment. We are called to live in step with the Spirit. Uh, discipleship, uh, when there, there was a saying with, uh, um, in Jesus' time that you would follow in the dust of your rabbi. And uh, what, what that meant was that you would walk so closely to your teacher that you would pick up their dust. 
uh, you know, they were more like a desert society without pavements and things like that. Um, and so, you know, dust would be that thing and uh, the rabbi would be walking and you would be in step with them. You would be walking with them. You would be learning their ways. You would be uh, knowing how they do things and what they do because you would be so close to them. You would be picking up their dust from behind them. You would be walking in step with your teacher. His disciples would have walked, lived in step with Jesus. And then when Jesus goes, he gives him the Holy Spirit. He, sa he says in John that it was good for me to go, for I will give you another, the paracletos, the helper, the one who will come alongside you, uh, as paracletos. Paracletos means to come alongside, to take one by the hand, to help you walk in step with him. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It's to walk in step with God, with his ways. Uh, Andrew Wilson tells this illustration, which I think is really great. He says this, he says, we have this tendency as humans to base our discipleship on our neighbor. So we look to the left and we look to the right and we think, hey, when it comes to watching TV, am I doing okay or not? Well, Miles watches eight hours a day and I only watch four, so I'm doing good. But then I look at Neil and Neil watches zero hours a day and then I'm like, oh my, I'm a terrible Christian. That is a really bad way to judge our discipleship with Jesus. And we could do that on a number of levels. We could look at food. We could look at, uh, you know, work. We could look at someone who's a workaholic. Maybe they got their own problems that they need to deal with. And you're like, I'm so lazy. I need a change. But then you look at someone who's doing nothing. You're like, you, I am amazing. I am crushing work. Um, or, or, you know, what, whatever it may be, whatever area of life that we are trying to improve our discipleship with Jesus, it becomes really bad when we compare ourselves to our neighbors, to the person on the left and the right of ourselves. It becomes a really bad uh, evaluation of where we are at in our walk with Jesus. Because at one point we may feel exceptionally free and well done, and another point we may feel crushed by their standard. So what we do is we take our cue from God. And I think practically how we do that, pray. We read the scriptures, believe that God speaks to us, walks with us, directs us, and even directs our own conscience to know we should be doing one thing or another. Maybe you are feeling particularly challenged at this point about one area of your life. One of the things that we believe is that the paracletos comes alongside, and if we're living in step with the Spirit, we will know what he's calling us to. And then Paul gives us a list. He gives us a list in case we don't know. He gives us a list of the deeds of the flesh, and then he gives us a list of the deeds of the Spirit. Did you notice that at the end of the, the chapter? where he gives these two lists. 
And, and what does he say? He says, these are the deeds of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Oh, no. What's a good list to know? Is this causing me to be angry? Am I making something an idol? Is it divisive? <laughs> Am I being sexually immoral? Am I giving myself to drunkenness? You know, like Paul's saying, hey, this is easy to know. These are the deeds of the flesh. And then he says, these are the fruits of the Spirit. This gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It is like Paul is saying this. Walking by the Spirit is being in step, in tune, knowing, learning through prayer, the Scriptures, faithfulness to God, learning how God is leading our lives specifically, directing us in his way. And then he's saying, if you're a little bit worried about whether you're getting this right or not, here's two lists. If, if, if your life, if your decisions are in this side, you're probably walking by the Spirit. If your decisions are on this side, you're probably giving yourself to the flesh. Once to set us free from the tyranny own consciences at times, from the guilt and the shame that we feel because we feel like we're not living up to some standard. And he wants to do that so that we can love neighbor, so that we are free to love. We are not bound by guilt and shame or bound by the addiction to our own flesh. But we are free so that we can restrain ourselves for the benefit of others. And we do this by living in step with, in tune, in line with the Spirit, who Christ, Galatians 3 verse 1 says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I love that passage. God gives the Spirit freely, not by anything that we do, but because of Christ. Did you receive the Spirit because you are a great Christian? No, is what he's saying. You've received the Spirit freely because of what Jesus has done. Now that we have received the Spirit, let us walk step with the Spirit. And as we do, we will live free. And that freedom will be so that we can love. Pray for all of us here. I just pray for anyone, Lord, this morning who particularly feels like they are slaves to guilt and shame. This weekend, this week, and just feel 
constantly harassed by the remembrance of something that they've done. Shame is that you have set us free from that. That we are saved, we're brought into you. This morning needs to be set free from that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that the gospel will hit a new level in some people's lives of their past. And as they do, I pray they will find a new energy to love. Love family and friends. New energy, a new zeal, a new freedom in Jesus' name. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us to live in step with your Holy Spirit. Step to hear the beat of heaven to see how you are at work, to be able to hear your voice and your leading, the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit. Give ourselves to the desires of